Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichette. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Friday, November 3rd, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everybody who's choosing to join us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. We encourage people to go there and click on the link that says Start Here in the upper left-hand corner. That will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for 19 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you do that, you'll get access to a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We encourage people to do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives, and secondarily because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Give us a call at 563-999-3581. Press 1 on your phone. That will put the little icon of a phone by your of a hand by your phone number, and I'll announce you by your area code to turn on the microphone. We appreciate if anybody does that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be of service. And that's just a whole heck of a lot easier to do when we know how these things are landing for people and what's working and what's not. Yesterday we had primarily 
conversation around some major themes, primary themes that struck me from the first lesson of the way of mastery and some insight that I was getting about how So um, I just got a text message that said that that theme music is is just still playing. I'm hoping it's not. So anyway, um, we are... Yesterday we were talking quite a bit about the idea of the role of ego and ego as a tool conscious logical mind intellect as the way of mastery talks about it as a very limited and very useful but a very limited tool and um, the difficulty of how we live in a culture that So we're trying this again. I have now dialed back in. Uh, I noticed that uh, several people had dropped off the switchboard and come back on. So um, now it says that I'm back. So hopefully this will last. We had some of this problem yesterday as well. Um, What we're talking about is how the ego is a tool. It's a very useful tool. It has very limited use but we live in a culture where we're taught to elevate the ego, the conscious logical mind, the intellect, or the mechanical level of mind, whatever you want to call it. Dr. Rice calls it the nine-bit mind. We're taught to put it at the top rung. We're taught to give it almost godlike status in our minds to make it our master and way of mastery says right in the first lesson this process this pathway of the heart is not about the intellect and, and understands that the intellect is a very simple tool and um, so we were talking about what is it if it's not our conscious logical mind if it's not our rational mind if it's not our ego that helps us with dismantling upsets and moving toward enlightenment then what is it well the um there's a quote by ralph waldo emerson and and i'm sure it's part of a of a bigger essay But the quote is, let us take our bloated nothingness out of the path 
of the divine circuits. What does that mean? You know, you'd have to be talking to Ralph Waldo Emerson to find out exactly what he meant by that. But the divine circuits sounds to me like the idea that there is this divine order. There is this There is this flow of life. In Michael Singer's work, he talks about how our scientists estimate that from the Big Bang until now, it's been about 13.84 billion years the way we mark time. And um, so life is unfolding. Creation is happening. There's some level of intelligence that's not human that goes way beyond what we can conceptualize that's having this flow. And the essay from Emerson reads, there is one mind common to all individual men. Every man is an inlet to the same and to all of the same. He is at once admitted to the right of reason is made a free man of whole estate. What Plato has thought, he may think, what a saint has felt, he may feel. Anybody might think what Plato has thought. Anybody might feel what a saint has felt. We may feel at any time what any time has befallen any man. We all have access to this one common mind, he's saying. For this is the only and sovereign agent. And, you know, what I think he's talking about here is consciousness. All consciousness is connected. He goes on to say, of the works of this mind, history is the record. As life unfolds, it just unfolds. And it's the work of this one mind. He writes, its genius is illustrated by the entire series of days. Man is explicable by nothing less than all his history. Without hurry, without rest, the human spirit goes forth from the beginning to embody every faculty, every thought, every emotion which belongs to it in these appropriate events. But the thought is always prior to the fact. All the facts of history pre-exist in the mind as laws, each law, in turn, is made by circumstances predominant. And the nature, the limits of nature, give power to but one of those at a time. So things unfold according to this energy. The creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn. And Egypt, Greece, Rome, Gaul, Britain, America lie folded already in the first man. Epic after epic, camp, kingdom, empire, republic, democracy, these are merely the application of his manifold spirit manifolding, manifesting in the world. And it might be good for us to get 
and take our bloated nothingness, in other words, our sense of self, our sense of importance, what the way of mastery said in the early part of this first lesson, we must remove and release from consciousness every hope or wish of being special because that thought or wish of being special, that's what makes up this bloated nothingness that Emerson's referring to. So what is life? Well, life is this energy unfolding that is far bigger than anything our words can express and anything our conscious logical minds or egos or intellect can begin to understand. And it's been this way forever. The great teachings have been there ever since there have been people, and it, there's been this understanding. Pierre Pradervan tells the story about getting into the place where he thought he knew better, so he was going to go and teach this imam what's the nature of God and what's the definition for God. And when he gets there and asks him, the imam says, well, entire world and use them as pens and you took all the water and all the oceans, seas, rivers, streams and creeks as ink and you wrote for eternity you would never exhaust all the names for God for life for consciousness now it's just a story to illustrate the fact that we can't crunch it down into words or thoughts or concepts that will encompass what is God, what is light, what is creation. So then what? Well, how are we supposed to talk about it? Well, maybe it's better if we don't talk so much about it. Because one way of thinking about it is that talking is doing, and the essence of our existence is not our doing it's our being so what if we don't worry so much about talking about it and we instead move ourselves into a place where we can have increasingly deep experiential moments and you know there there's a way to talk about time in which a moment is the only is all there is and that eternity is in the present moment and that each new present moment is eternal it's outside of time Krishnamurti talking about it would talk about how time is a creation of thought that without thought there's no time there's just life unfolding. And, you know, people want to argue about that and have philosophical debates about it. I don't. I don't care if that's right or that's wrong. What I care about is how is my experience of life moved towards something I prefer or moved towards something I don't prefer when I put that to practice, when I learn to stay more present in the moment 
whether, whether that's you want to call it doing mindfulness exercises or being here now, as Ram Das would say in the title of one of his books, it doesn't really matter to me. Whether you want to do walking meditation, the way Thich Nhat Hanh would call us to, it's all okay. Whatever, you, whatever gives you an experience that you prefer, do that. That's my offering. That's why I donate my time to using these tools and teaching these tools. And and if that works for you, good. Glad you're here. Hope it keeps working for you. Um, I don't. I don't really know what else to say about that. I mean, your ego. It's a powerful, effective tool only where it's, where it's the right tool for the job. And in terms of moving toward enlightenment, it's not the right tool. In terms of being love, it's not the right tool. In terms of connecting to another human being, it's not really the best tool. And I read a poem that I'd written back in graduate school about that and it says you know when you get down to it how is it then that we ever get close if you're thinking of all the confines of teeth skin and bones and you realize it's no wonder we feel so alone and how is it then that we ever get close it's when we reach with our hearts that we grasp the most and, of course, we're living in a culture that doesn't teach us about doing that, doesn't have people modeling that for us. We live in a culture that has elevated the conscious, logical mind to the, to the level of master. And so here's, here's what we're asked to do before we even get into the first lesson in the way of mastery. In, in the promise, it says, look, if you will do this simple thing, you will reach the goal that you want. The correction will come. There will be no errant energies in your system. Only the energy that's supposed to be there will be there, the energy of creation. You will be consciously aware that you you remain as the creator created you to be if you do this. What is this? If you lay at the altar of your heart with every breath, not just once or twice a day, not just on the weekends when you go to church, with every breath, put aside everything you think you know, everything you think you need, and on top of that, Look lovingly on every place in your mind where fear has made a home. And just allow, surrender and allow and ask to be shown, and the correction will come. What's the correction? It's just another way of talking about removing every energy that doesn't belong in your system. It's another way of talking about acknowledging that you're the one that creates every negative emotion, every contraction, every suffering that you experience by how you choose to interpret and respond to the flow of life. 
And when you do that, if you decide to get rid of, put down, offer up to, you know, your creator or Ruka or whatever, Holy Spirit or everything you think you know and everything you think you need, that's a statement for cancel every goal you have and look lovingly upon every place in your mind where there's been bitterness, hatred, anger, vengeance, hurt, confusion, sadness. Look lovingly upon that. It's just something you've created with the power of creation you've been given. What is that power of creation you've been given? The ability to focus your conscious awareness. That's how you're a creator. You create because you've been given dominion over one little aspect of this divine mind. And you get to choose what you point it towards. And whatever you point it towards, you create more like that. And when you do that, you will literally feel throughout your being that there never was any dream of separation. The dream will disappear. You'll have the lived experience in the moment of being connected to everyone and everything. It says, you know, there there might be somewhere a faint echo of the dream that you dreamed and lived, and maybe for lifetimes, but certainly all through this lifetime. But it will be just a faint echo. And it will leave no trace upon you. In your heart, you will smile gently, regardless of whatever circumstances you find yourself. You're a street sweeper. You're in the middle of a war zone. You're lying on your deathbed from cancer. Whatever the circumstance is, you will smile gently. And there will be peace from the crown of your head to the tips of your toes. And that peace will walk before you wherever you go. It will enter a room before you enter it with the body. And those who are becoming sensitive will wonder, wow, who's just come into this place? That's the beginning. That's the promise. That's literally in in the page before this thing begins right after the editor's note in the promise from Yeshua. Here is the process of forgiveness. Lay at the altar of your heart with every breath, everything you think you know and everything you think you need. Understand you don't know anything and cancel every goal. And furthermore, turn a loving filter mind toward everything you've ever done if you've mistreated animals in the past if you've stole money from people if you've killed people look at the place in your heart that holds bitterness or resentment or contraction or sadness or shame or and look lovingly upon that as your own creation and if you could do that you wouldn't need any of the rest of this book quite literally if you could do that you wouldn't need to read another word in this book. As you 
put down your sense of being special and your sense of being separate from other people. And you learn to trust the invisible because you recognize or you begin to recognize you as a soul, the individual divine spark. You begin to choose to withdraw the attention and the value that you have placed upon anything, your body, your possessions, etc. And as you learn to simplify the nature of your own consciousness, as you realize that you can surrender into something that seems beyond you and that you can actually entertain what seems like an insane thought of trusting the invisible, what happens is you become more and more to be less and less of what you thought you were. And as you become less and less of what you thought you were, at that same time, you become more and more of what your Creator created you to be. What is that? What did your Creator create you to be? In this teaching, that is the thought of perfect love expressing in form. A channel through which perfect love expresses in form. A simple vehicle through which perfect love, capital L, love, the energy of creation, the love of spirit can shine forth into this physical reality. When that happens, your only task becomes the cleaning of your windows, the polishing of your floors, and the weeding of your garden so that that light can pour forth freely, wide open. When that happens, you won't find any need to defend the perceptions that you'd identified with in error. You'll be able to look upon everything you've ever done with your thoughts, everything you've ever done with your behaviors, everything you've ever created, and all reactions you've ever held within the mind, and all perceptions, and all judgments, and all desires, and as they arise in your mind, you will be at peace. You will have that peace from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. All judgments, all labels, all thinking that person's wrong, all thinking that must be the devil making them do that all thinking I'm better than anybody else, all of that, you lay it down, you see it as false, and you understand you don't know anything. And then you can ask to be shown. And then you can get access to a higher level of, of integration of consciousness and wisdom. So this is the idea. Right here, even before it begins the first lesson, and then through the first lesson, it just keeps laying out little pieces that we might use. What's the first step in awakening? To just allow this thought into your mind. Not make it perfect, not do it with every breath, but just allow this thought into your mind. Here's the first step. Here's the thought. Nothing that you experience is caused by anything outside of you. You experience only the effects of your own choice. 
And we have a lot of people that just bristle at hearing that and want to argue about it and want to say that's wrong and you're calling me a victim and you're blaming the victim, et cetera, et cetera. And this writing says, you know, take a look at it. Watch what your mind does with that. Watch what your intellect, which has been stuffed full of all of this garbage and these negative thoughts, watch how it wants to rebel against that. But this is not the way of the intellect. The way of the heart is the way of seeing the intellect as a very humble and a very simple tool and a servant of the awakened heart. And the heart is that which feels all things, embraces all things, trusts all things, and allows all things. And this reminds me of that time I was telling you the story. Joseph Campbell was with one of the great teachers, a guru in India. And he said, so, teacher, as I listen to you say that the truth, the awakened heart, love itself, etc., feels all things, embraces all things, trusts all things, and allows all things, does that mean war? Does that mean death? Does that mean pestilence? And the teacher says, for people like you and me, Joseph, yes. And what does that mean? That they're special? No, it just means that he's seeing it at a deeper level, that he's stepping outside of all of the conditioned thought that has him judging. And he's able to tap into that space that Michael Rice keeps talking about, being the observer apart from the observed, the thinker apart from the thought, the doer apart from the doing. Michael has this you know, pattern that he rattles off. It's the idea that Michael Singer talks about, of being able to step back into the seat of observation or the seat of the soul and just observe this flow of thoughts and this flow of emotions and the energy that and the song that the heart will play and understand that's not me, that's not you, that's not your essence. It's just energy flowing through this energy field we call mind and heart. And when you do that more and more and you let yourself feel all things, embrace all things, trust all things, and allow all things without judgment, you discover the pathway of awakening. It is a pathway of allowance and acceptance, not a pathway of avoidance. It is a pathway of truthfulness with a capital T. It is not a pathway of accomplishment and pride but it is a pathway of releasing from the consciousness every hope and every wish to be special. Just think about how many times everything in your culture has geared you, trained you, conditioned you, rewarded you, and or punished you toward trying to think of yourself as special or trying to think of somebody else as special. Trying to put Yeshua on a pedestal, trying to put God on a pedestal, trying to put 
your favorite guru on a pedestal or your favorite movie star or television star on a pedestal. That's what our culture does. This pathway is not about that. This is a pathway about teaching us, introducing us to the possibility and inviting us to release from our consciousness every hope and every wish to be special, every thought that we're going to earn our way into the kingdom or into heaven. It's a way in which you come to cultivate, which means with every breath, with every thought, over time, morning after morning, night after night, Regardless of what your inner experience or degree of awakening, you begin to cultivate the willingness and the art of returning to the simplicity of empty-headedness and not knowingness. And you do that with each and every breath. In other words, I learn to live from something other than my intellect. I learn to live from something other than my conscious logical mind trying to figure things out. I learn to be in the moment more than do and think and crunch numbers and do the mental math about what is so-and-so going to think or feel or what's going to make so-and-so feel good or bad or how did I make this person angry or how are they making me angry. This is a way of learning to live from something other than the conscious logical mind, the ego, the intellect, the nine-bit mind from Michael Rice, the mechanical level of mind from Guy Finley. So what is that like? It's something you can't really describe. Here's the closest they come to it is to say, returning to the simplicity of empty-headedness and not knowingness with every breath. Recognizing, they give us lessons or um, exercises later on in the book about spending 10 or 15 minutes several times throughout the day picking up an object and just acknowledging the fact that you don't know where this thing came from. You don't know what its materials are made of or where those materials came from. You don't know who had the first idea to create an object like this, whether it's a phone or a cup or a bowl or a knife or a spoon or a chair. Just the direct observation in the moment of how limited the tool of knowledge and intellect is that helps me move into this state that they're pointing at with the words empty-headedness and not knowingness with each breath. But I'm not going to understand that until I practice being there, until I cultivate that experience. And when you do that, you tune into other sensibilities. You tune into other energies. You tune into what they say. You learn to recognize the voice of the Father 
the voice of creation, the voice of Holy Spirit, the voice of this elemental force specific to humans that's in every one of us that's waiting there to break off the effects of our errors and thought and guide us to truth and happiness if we just ask it to after a while as we cultivate this experience we learn to recognize that voice and how it's guiding us our personality our emotions and even the body to go to places to attend events to experience people through which the tapestry of this expression of the all are one, they call it the atonement or the at-one-ment, is being woven. And so life is this tapestry of experience, and you're just a small piece of one small thread. And in that process of the tapestry being woven and the at-one-ment being enacted, all sparks of the divine mind are called home, are awakening to the realization that they never left home. They only dreamt of leaving. And you have moved out of living from ego and persona and sense of specialness, and you realize it's the same if I'm asked to give a speech in front of 10,000 people or I'm asked to tell my friends my true feelings even though they may not want to hear them or whether I'm asked to sweep a sweet and live penniless, penniless. Sweep a street or sweep a sweet. You know, whatever you do, <laughs> it doesn't matter. In truth, all life is the same has the same value, is part of the one consciousness, is part of the flow of creation. And it's how we choose to interpret it and respond to it that creates our experience of it. There's that wonderful story about um, a, a wealthy man with a yacht that pulls into one of these island, beautiful island communities and as he's walking down the pier, he sees a young man in a rickety old boat. And the young man's, you know, got ratty old clothes on. And he's just laying back with his hands behind his back and maybe a, a piece of grass in his mouth he's chewing. And he's just humming a tune. And the wealthy person coming off the boat says, what are you doing just lazing around there? Why don't you get busy? Why don't you go earn a living? Why don't you go, you know, you know, get this boat out there and get some fish? And, and the guy says, why would I do that? And the man says, well, then you can have some money, and then you can buy a better boat, and you can, you know, you can go and get some more fish, and then, then you might hire some people to work for you. And he says, why would I do that? Well, because then you can start saving money, and then you can, you know, move on to the, to the day when you – he says, why would I do that? Because then eventually you can retire. And he says, why would I do that? Well, then so you can lay back and relax in comfort. And the guy says, I'm already doing that. <laughs> That's the essence of this lesson. We're trained to chase our tails for money, for acknowledgement, for accumulation of goods 
And this way of the heart is saying it's it's already here, and there's 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 a voice constantly there. Guy Finley tells a story, trying to get at the same thing. He says this is World War Two, and uh, there's a plane that's shot down. Nobody dies in these stories. It's okay, but the plane is shot down in the atolls, in these islands where the Japanese are all over the place, and and so this American team or this international team is there and. And so they're hiding in caves at night. But the uh, the captain in charge of this uh, expedition um, says to the, one of the privates, I want you to go up to the top of this mountain at night where the reception is better because the radio transmitter is broken, but the receiver works. And he knows that they will be, his people will be sending signal about where and when they should show up to get rescued so he sends the private up and the private's up there all night and he comes back before light and he and the captain asks the private you know so um did you hear anything and the private says nope nothing so what happens three nights in a row and eventually the captain is really suspicious. So after the private sneaks off up to the top of the mountain with the, trans- the, with the receiver, the captain sneaks up behind him and he watches. And what he's watching is, here's his private surfing the radio dial and hearing snippets of conversations from Russian and German and French and Polish and Latvian and Swedish and and. And the captain bursts out of his hiding and says to the private, what are you doing, man? He says, I've read your personnel file. I know you don't speak any of those languages. Why aren't you tuned to the one station where they speak English so you can listen to the, for the coordinates? And the private yells out, well, captain, I didn't want to be up here all alone. Busy. I need to be busy. I need to be distracted. I don't want to be quiet and tune into the one voice that can guide me to the peace that I say I want. I want to be chasing the things that my conditioned mind, the intellect that the way of mastery says has been stuffed full of trivialities. I want to listen to it because that's what I've been trained to do. The way of the heart says, here's another option. Here's an invitation. Learn to slow down. Learn with every breath to return to the simplicity of empty-headedness and not knowingness. Learn to ask to be shown. Learn to directly observe that since I don't know everything, whatever it is I think I know is either only partially true or perhaps even completely false. That's the pathway they're inviting us to here. We've made all of the suffering that we've experienced and we don't know how to correct it so we need to ask for help. It says, the way of the heart is the final pathway that any soul can enter. There are many stages of awakening and there are many pathways that can be followed but ultimately all roads lead to Rome, as they say. So eventually, every soul must find its way into the way of the heart. 
each soul must come back to the truth that it's time to take responsibility for everything you experience, to learn to cultivate the ability to look upon the deep and vicious blackness of what I have called the ego, which is nothing more than a cesspool of denial. Now, that's not ego itself. It's the part of ego that's used to deny the truth that we are creating our experience moment to moment. It's that part of the ego that we refuse to look on. And so it's called darkness, but simply because we've taken the light of our awareness away from it. You know, we had Dale Ellen Hoffman come to town, and he says this in a number of his talks anyway, but he did it especially when he was here. He said to the group of people, so let me ask you, what do they call that part of the moon where the sun refuses to shine? And several people shouted out, the dark side of the moon. And he goes, okay, yep, that's what they call it, but it's a trick question because the sun does not refuse to shine. The sun just shines. The light is out there. So what is the dark side of the moon? It's the side of the moon that's turned away from the light. The light in this case is our awareness, our radical honesty. And the essence of the teaching is, can you, from, from you know, before they even started this in in the promise, it says, if you want to achieve what you say you want, you want this peace, you want this new mind, the metanoia, a completely new mind, here's what you need to do. Lay at the altar of your heart, put down on the altar of your heart with every breath, every breath, everything you think you know and everything you think you need so you cancel everything you want, cancel every goal, cancel the, the need to be right, that's canceling everything you think you know. And here's the other piece. All of these three pieces are important. I cancel my need to be right. That's the same as saying I put down everything I think I know. I cancel every goal I've ever had. That's the same as saying, I put down everything I think I need. And the third piece is, I learn to look lovingly upon every place in my mind where fear has made a home. I look lovingly on my past. I look lovingly on every thought. I turn the light of awareness to it without judgment. I turn the light of awareness to it with allowance and surrender and trust and embracing. And I do that with a sense of wonder and a sense of innocence and a sense of childlikeness. So we have about five minutes left for a quick comment, question, answer, testimonial. I've been skimming through, highlighting some of the things from the first lesson. And probably on Monday we'll 
consider moving on to the second lesson, depending upon feedback from people and whether or not somebody has work they need to do. So 563-999-3581. I see that Jeannie is on the switchboard, so I will mention that we had more glitches today at the beginning, and uh, I had to call back in. I have no idea how well it's worked since I called back in, but the show started about seven minutes late, and then there were difficulties. So, so hopefully it'll have all ironed itself out and give you a nice, smooth recording for the second hour. We'll be back on Monday. I'm getting a text message that it's been fine since we dialed back in for the third time. And um, I want to extend my gratitude to the people that joined us in the support group last night. We did a 45 minutes of a Guy Finley talk with several interruptions from my I don't know if you call them clarifications or repetitions of points that he was making to try and assist us in having a consensus about what he was trying to teach. And again, we'll have a support group again next Tuesday and next Thursday. Those are available absolutely free. If you want to join us or pass that information along to somebody else, you can do that at mindshiftersacademy.org. And please remember there's a different login information page for the Tuesday group than the Thursday group. And I will just remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. talking yet, Jeannie, we can't hear you. Here's hoping that blog talk is still working. Well, just in case they are having difficulty, I will hang up so Michael can get on. Have a wonderful show. Thank you. I appreciate it. So welcome everybody to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. Today is Friday, November the 3rd, 2023, and our call-in number is 563-999-3581, and press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we'd love to hear your comments and questions, because that makes this your show. I'm on, saw Susan's hand just pop up, so I'm going to go ahead and turn her microphone on. We'll give Michael just a moment to get dialed in. How are you doing today, Miss Susan? I'm doing really well, Jeannie. How about you? I'm doing good. I had uh, good physical therapy again this morning. and um, oh Boy, how's that going? Michael, we already have Susan on. Um, it went really good. It's uh, good. Um, enjoying the... The treatment and hopefully get my hip and my shoulder to quit hurting so I can sleep the whole night. So Michael can sleep oh. the whole night. Well, that's so. just unfair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no. 
but they're really good. It's uh, I was pleased to have found them, and the chiropractor wasn't. I mean, he helped, but it still just wasn't getting better. So yeah, it to the next level. Right. So good. Well, Michael Spence telling us. Yeah. So he's been outside working on the compost this morning. We've already closed the gardens up, but he was putting some of the compost and mulch and things around their asparagus plants. Mm-hmm. Looks if they produce as well as that right now they look like bushes, but if they yeah. produce as well as they bushed, we'll have lots of asparagus next year. Oh boy, good. Yeah. So well, I did have a question. I actually wanted to ask it to Dr. Tim. But he was on a total roll, and by the time he opened it up, I thought it was too long of a question, and it wasn't right. really it wasn't really relevant. I also wanted to tell just give a short clip about a dream I had of our Michael where he he came up to me and put his arms around me, and we had this amazingly warm suite hug and then he said you are my medicine for the time being oh wow isn't that such a I'm I'm just so I felt so happy about it but I feel as if that dream comes as a result of doing the work we've been doing for just weeks and weeks more than I mean since the beginning but most particular most particularly most recently Um, and I told him the dream and he said well that's true he just looked at me and said <laughs> what a nice acknowledgement isn't that sweet yeah Yay. so Dr. Tim has been reading the way of mastery which includes giving up knowing anything <laughs> giving up the ego that thinks it knows things and that's been very helpful because when I feel my hackles go up and my heart tighten and mainly it's around Michael and what I think he should be doing as opposed to what he is doing, then I I reinstate the intention to not know anything, and it really helps a lot. I do the wake-up sheets, too, because I have to look at that stuff. But I sounds have like another question. <laughs> it does. It sounds, sounds like, like the canceling of a goal. And yeah, you might even well, become more specific in those situations with the specific goal you have because that will have a more powerful, uh, what should I say, detergent effect on your own mind. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do have specific goals for him, and I do put them in the worksheets. And But it's just like, what is it? It's like a cesspool. I'll clean it out, and it'll come right back. Clean it out, come it. This is the 77 times 77 times 77 <laughs> times 7. Uh, so anyway, ongoing. But I had a question related to how he is and the fact that he is so much like my grandson, Jacob. I wanted to ask you, have you heard of the Berkheimer tests or evaluation or whatever they call it? Not is it Berkheimer? Way. Berkman. No, Berkman. Berkman. Um, Assessment. That's what they call it, I think. Berkman assessment. Jacob's mom, my daughter, suggested that Jacob take this test. 
Jake, because it helps you figure out what you're suited for in the way of a vocation. And Jake said, Mom, I already know what I want to do, and I know what I can do, and I don't want to take it. And she begged him. She said, I have seen this test administered a lot in my parish. Uh, I've asked for it in certain cases. And it's always a revelation to see what comes up. Well, he finally took it. And among many things, one thing it showed is that he is an extreme introvert who is happiest working by himself in whatever ways he wants to, sometimes on the computer, uh, programming songs, making recordings, but by himself, or composing songs by himself. And so Jacob tells his mom, he said, see, I told you so, that's what I want. But she said, okay, then why do you want to be a performer? Why do you want to be out there on stage strutting your stuff and being looked at by oh, hundreds and thousands of people, whatever it is? And he said, I can't explain that. And she, as a result of the test, was discouraging him from becoming the actor and singer that he wants to be. Well, here's Michael living in my house, who goes out there, and Tim Bingham goes with him now and sits and listens to his gigs. And they're very few. They're at old people's homes, and he plays oldies, and the old people clap, and they sing, and this is a memory unit in one of them. They get up and dance. Some of them know the words. Michael's on cloud nine. He is so outgoing and loving toward the, those old folks. And he comes home saying, this is what I should be doing. This is, this is it. But then he'll disappear into the basement, and we won't see him for a day or two, except to take out his dog. And my daughter asked, she's in an Al-Anon group, and a lady spoke up in there. She said, what is this? That my mom has this man who's like my son. He seems to love being out there, and then he otherwise disappears. And this woman spoke up and she said, I know about this. Encourage your son to do what he wants to do. That's how they interact to the extent they do. That's how they have their human contact. That's how they feel fed. They've got to go out there and do that. But they're out there as an introvert. They have a wall around themselves, which is the learned material. They are not extemporizing they are actually protected by the fact that whatever they present is already prepared. They're not vulnerable. They don't feel in, in any kind of danger. And she said, encourage him to do that. I've seen that before. And I thought, wow, this is mind-blowing. So I wondered if you had any thoughts about any of that. Michael, you're talking, but you're muted. Well, thank goodness you're still on because Tim Excuse went. Excuse me, I'll hit my mute button. That's all right. Tim Hayes went yeah. silent, and I thought, oh, you know, we had to <laughs> hang up and dial in a couple of times to get him back. And he had to dial uh -huh. in, too, so I'm glad you're still there. Anyway, I'll be quiet. I'm here. I'm here. So in the in the classic world, what you're describing, you know, in the extreme, is schizo what the world calls schizophrenia. Oh. And my offering would be resolution to that comes from 
looking at the conflicting goals and starting to move the conflicting goals, you know, the ones that are widely divergent that drive the mind in one direction, oh, I got to go hide in the other direction, I got to go be out there, and mm-hmm. start to cancel the extremes of those goals, clean up the mind, and there's going to come a point of integration, and that will tend to disappear. And my, my offering is what I hear with Michael, and I, I think I have heard in your descriptions of, of Jacob's relationship with family, is that it's mm. from terror. It's just plain oh, old-fashioned yeah. terror. And the goal is to protect oneself. And, mm. you know, if one, if, remember that feelings, people talk about, we want to get some somewhere they have a feeling of safety. There is no such place as a place where there's a feeling of safety. Feeling of safety comes from the thoughts that are moving within us. That's where thoughts, feelings come from. And so if he starts cleaning up the thought disorders that produce this feeling of unsafe, i.e., I've got to go hide away, I can only do this by myself, people will criticize me, they'll destroy me, whatever it is, as that starts to clean up, then the feeling of being unsafe that comes from those thought disorders will tend to disappear. And my take would be he would tend, in either case, they would tend to more walk out into the stage where they really want to be acknowledged and want to be admired and want to express themselves. But it's those thought disorders that, in the extreme, as I say, would be classified as schizophrenia that uh, leave people with conflicting realities. And so once again, you know, I don't know of a human problem, or I should say a non-human problem, those who are functioning without the active presence of love in their minds, that isn't resolved by removing what isn't true. And what isn't true are the thought disorders that keep us locked into the drama and trauma aspect of life. Mm. And of course, if I'm in, you know, our... our the, the article we've been talking about off and on for the last couple of weeks, you know, Job got down to the very root of it. That which I feared most has come upon me. And as long as mm-hmm. one holds those thought disorders, you know, we have we have an influence on literally what happens in the physiological world. And as we clean those up, our influence removed changes, literally changes what happens in the world. Yeah. <clears throat> I think one thing you said isn't true. I think both Michael and even more with Jacob, he does want tremendous affirmation coming from the audience. And he's very talented. Right. And he, he gets that. But he gets it because he's got a canned program. He gets it because he feels safe because he isn't really there in his immediately creative My take is, yeah. My take is, he gets it because in that environment, he's chosen, or probably not chosen, but on on the level of decision, the thought disorders of unsafety are quelled because of this perception of I've got a wall, I've got protection, I know what I'm going to do, I know what the response is going to be, and it's going to be okay. But again, it's got to do with. Where does the feeling come from if he's not safe? You know, if he's in that audience and yeah. he's just rocking away, either one of them, and somebody stands up and says, ah, you suck. What do you suppose is going to happen yeah. to either of them? Those thought disorders are going to start to fire. 
Yeah, and so, again, offering the tool, uh, and I, you know, I, I understand from what you shared about Jacob's relationship, and certainly, you know, I've had some experience with homeless people, and the horrific attack and insanity mm-hmm. that they're exposed to, and the fact that mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, mental infirmity anyway. Um, it's, it's it's definitely a work to be to be done. And, yeah. You know, well, the the challenge is to pull somebody out of the shell far enough to say, you know, this is self inflicted, and you can change it. Mm-hmm. That's In that's the big challenge. Instances. Um, I'm hoping with Michael. I I don't think he's going to be changing that much. Although in the dream he's he. I said, or he said to me, you're my medicine. And then he said, that's really true in waking moments when we spoke about it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much healing can take place just by our having him with us and being safe. Um, And I'm not even sure he considers us. Yeah, go ahead. My offering would be is the deeper the level upon which you can extend the hem of your garment the deeper his safety is going to be and the more profound will his healing be. And the same thing with Jacob. And, you know, you've given Jacob that lifeline and from what you've shared, you know, and and some of the language that Jacob's gotten into, you've very likely literally saved his life from ending his life himself because you were that medicine. Oh, that may be true. Because you extended that, that energy that invisible energy that in the scriptures was called the hem of his garment. That I'm presence so glad of love. You're saying, I'm so glad you're saying this now and in this way because I've had this idea in my mind for both him and Michael that I have to have them do wake-up sheets. Well, that's not going to happen, at least not right away. Lukey did one, and he never forgot it. But these right. two other that's guys, all it takes. it's... What? That's all it takes. And, you know, one doesn't have to do a worksheet in order to apply forgiveness. I mean, if you uh, if you can point out to either of them, you'll notice that you're in a pretty settled space as long as everybody around you is complying with the goals you have for them. But you'll notice that when someone isn't complying with those goals, that's when you go into this regressive state. So I just offer that, you know, there are two directions you can approach that from. And they mm-hmm. they both seem like they've got the cognitive awareness to understand this. There are two directions you can apply, uh, you know, you can retreat to a space where nobody can, uh, there's nobody involved in your goal, so it doesn't matter. You can you know, refuse to interact. Or you could just cancel that goal. There's another approach. If they're violating your goal, yeah, it'd be nice to get them to stop violating your goal, to cooperate with everything you want. But the other end of that conversation is you could just cancel the goal and relieve yourself of that stress. And and that could be as simple, the simplest worksheet they could possibly do. And that that explanation spoken over and over and over and over again and maybe many different creative ways to either or both of them will probably um, give you a new level of the ability when you're looking for what do I need to do and you've 
forgotten that there's a goal to be canceled, that you'll get a new level of that as we teach best that which we most need to learn, and I'm speaking from experience. And yeah. as you speak it to them, when they can start to speak it backward, when it gets into their regulatory speech, then it will become yeah. their behavior. So and right thing. now, what's in their regulatory speech is protection, and there's something wrong with the world, and it's going to get me. And, and so that's what regulates feelings and behavior. Both true. I mean, Michael in our house, he says, I, I can't spend time out there with those bad people. I mean, it's like everybody out there is bad. Yep. So, yep. or almost everybody. So, but you, back, if you wouldn't mind repeating, what is the simple thing that I could be saying to them? I, I got so excited about hearing it that I didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, just inviting them to notice that. You know, you're in a pretty level space until somebody violates a goal you have for them. Okay. And notice that's when upset comes. Yeah. And notice it's always a similar quality of upset. It's a why is this happening to me again? Yeah. The reason for the upset is because that's inside of you. Mm -hmm. Now, one solution to that dilemma is you could just get away from everybody and everything and then, you know, you'd have solved the problem because then there's nobody there to hurt you. That's where I worry that we're enabling him, Michael. Well, but as as he's acknowledged, you're also his medicine and he's moving forward. So, but, but just to get into the speech system and you might find many different creative ways to, to do it. You know, he's, you talk, he's talking about those bad people in the world, and, and that, that might take the form of, well, what, what would it take? You know, is there some particular person that's bad? What would you have them do to prove to you that they're good? And he'd express a goal. Mm-hmm. And that might be a place to say, now, what would happen if you just totally let go of that goal in your mind for them? Mm-hmm. And the, the every which way, you know, uh, the old song, every which way but loose, every which way that you can present that basic set of ideas and the ability to cancel the goal will change the internal dynamics. There will come a point where when it's heard enough, you know, the way that regulatory speech happens, that and, it's, mm-hmm. and it's regulatory speech is a speech from the that regulates our physiology, that regulates our cellular chemistry, that regulates our behavior, and that regulates our creative process. And regulatory speech starts from the outside. We hear somebody speak it. Mm -hmm. Then we speak it. We speak it ourselves. We speak it out loud. Mm. Done often enough, and especially if experienced to reduce stress, then that Speech becomes silent speech. Somebody says it within themselves, and then if they experience that as a way to reduce stress, it will become regulatory speech, and they'll just do it automatically. Mm. Mm. Speech runs the emotions. Speech runs the mind. Speech runs behavior. And so by speaking in as many ways as possible, 
it will sooner or later become part of the speech system, and that's the first step into becoming behavior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, giving them a vision of what you see as possible. You know, like, you know, mm-hmm. building on the vision of what Tim shared with you about when Michael's doing one of his performances. Yeah. And, I know. you know, what what joy it brings to people, what aliveness, what a gift, what a mm-hmm. powerhouse you are. Mm-hmm. And then to cancel the goals that trigger his thought disorders into activity and therefore his pain and his fear. And as he starts to get that he could cancel those things, then those energetic patterns will tend to, you know, think of it as a teeter-totter. Right now they pretty much run the show, but as the energy is shifted, then less and less will they have a say, and more and more will the real being come into expression in the world. That's pretty um, awesome that he acknowledges you as his medicine. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. It is. And it sounds like administering medicine to him is your medicine. Yeah. Well, when you were talking about all the things he could do, I'm thinking, I got to do that. 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 It was no different. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's We are all in this together. Yeah. Well, and, and one of my thoughts was, oh, no, Tim and I are too old. We don't have enough time. This isn't going to get finished. And then I, I remembered what Tim Hayes said, let it all go there. Stop. You know, stop with all this ego stuff. Just be with the moment and everything settled down again. Boy, that's a practice. Moment to moment to moment, yeah, as Tim was reading or saying. So anyway, okay, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Very helpful. Thank you. I think you had a setup with somebody going to call in, so I'm going to get off and listen. All right, young lady. Well, I did hear from Doug, and Doug is not going to be able to make it, but uh, we do have another young lady, I think, with her hand up. I'm not sure. Do we, Jean? Um, actually, Selinda said that she had an appointment. She wasn't going to be able to do it today, but you do have another hand up. Oh. Okay. I believe it is David, 206. You're on the air. Can you guys hear me? Hey, young man, we can hear you loud and clear. How do you be? Oh, um, um, I'm doing, uh, I, I'm, I guess I would have to say I'm in a Job-like crisis right now. Uh-huh. Layers um, moving, okay. So, yeah, so perfect timing. So, Colin, I was wondering if maybe we can do a worksheet and I can just be stepped through the process so I know <clears throat> that um, I have some guidance in it and I'm not rushing through it or anything. Awesome. Let's go for it. What's happening? Give us a little thumbnail. Oh, wow. <clears throat> oh, like a little thumbnail. What your... Uh... Um, I've had a lot of events in the past, like five days happen and it's completely, completely going to, um, my primary care, my mother's relationship and, and mine 
and it's just completely right. reflecting. It was a very, it's a very bad relationship, and it always has been a very bad relationship. And um, it's getting played out. And for me, just to accept that this relationship is an actual, like, reality just brings up, like, the most terrible heartache, pain that is just so overwhelming that um, what covers it up is, like, anger and rage. And um, I'm getting to this very deep, deep sorrow of accepting that I've never had a mother, um, and nor did I ever have a father or a family. But um, what I'm experiencing now is my work. I had to quit my job. Um, I was just being used and being called out in the middle of the night on call, and it was not my order. It was somebody else that was, should, be, should have been on call, and they just keep negotiating and playing favorite. So I had to quit my job. I own an Airbnb. Now my, I'm a super host. Now my account is frozen because um, there was a party down there, and I had to, like, kick people out because they were puking, and it's, it was a really bad mess, and that was just, like, three, four days ago. But this is like bringing up the same type of relationship because, you know, I went to my boss and expressed my issues and just a lot of gaslighting and denying um, that there is any issue. And, but this is like a widespread problem amongst all my past coworkers, the same complaints. But now dealing with Airbnb, I had to send in a bunch of like, like videos on ring of people puking, passing out, smoking pot and they're debating it with me, and now they've frozen my account. But it just brings me back to this really bad situation. I mean, it was the most horrible situation I would have to say I went through, and I've been through really bad ones. And I was like 20 years old. I started meditating. I had a very tremendous high anxiety attack of recalling abuse from my father and and my family. And my mom at the time was a psychiatric nurse. And so she right. goes, well, I'll bring you, bring you into um, the clinic that I'm at, and maybe we can get you some out of that. And I was like, yes, I need something to calm myself down. This is very overwhelming. But what happened was they brought me up to the locked-in unit, seeing that they're going to do a physical. And when I had my pants down to do the physical, a nurse came behind me and gave me a shot in my butt of a month-time release prolixin shot. And I went into a full-blown neuromalignant syndrome, which means I went into full-blown Parkinson's. And so as my body was seizing up, I was saying, I'm going to sue you guys because you're holding me captive. Then the whole process of covering it up happened. And I, not, and I was not treated for four months while I was blacking out and in extreme pain, and my mom enforcing this. Never had any problems before this, just had an anxiety attack, looking for support in a safe situation to unwind and to get my nervous system under control, but I was extremely betrayed. And the relationships I'm running into, say with my boss, with Airbnb right now, are just mimicking the same thing. It's just gaslighting, lying, running around in circles. So um, I'm just kind of at this point where I feel very overwhelmed, get a lot of worksheets on it, but I am calling to get your kind of your expertise to kind of just really 
you know, maybe do a very effective one or just so I can learn, you know, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Okay. Well, what what aspect of what you've just shared would you see as being most productive at this moment for doing a worksheet? Um, I guess getting to the, like, the deep sorrow, sadness that's coming up, like the, almost like the devastation of, like, this cognitive dissonance of, like, did this, is this for real? Like, did my mother actually do this? And all the prior stuff. So I feel like that's, like, the core thing because I'm kind of done being angry about it. I'm done trying to cover it up and, you know, puff up and trying to maintain some sense of control and being afraid of this sadness. But I feel like the gateway and all the events that are lining up for this is on a, a very deep deep, deep healing level because I've been like, you know, like what Job says, you know, trying to avoid the most fearful outcome, you know, possible. And I feel like I'm facing something that I'm starting to accept. Okay. Well, breathing with you to start with. Okay. Thank you. So it sounds like the bottom line, the link in the three things that you've shared is that someone you've trusted isn't there for you. Would that be a good bottom line? Absolutely. Okay. So if we did a worksheet on that, that seems to be the common theme uh, in terms of, so your mind is producing a, a... construct and reality that those in authority, those you should be able to trust, you can't trust. Exactly. And so would you would you think doing a worksheet on just authorities or is there one in particular that's up for you? I mean, with the Airbnb thing right now, is that like really in your face? Should we do something on Airbnb? Is the thing with your boss really in your face? You know, what What would be as an object of attention for the worksheet? I, I think it's, it, it is with trust of authority that is being reflected on my relationship with my mother to provide safety, honesty, and, like, uh, normal nurturing of a child on up. And okay. um, I feel like this has been the root of a lot of dysfunction in my life in relationships because the pattern is exactly the same. And right. I know I'm drawing this and creating this, and I'm responsible for it on some level. But um, ready to be done with it. Eh? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I hear you loud and clear. So then, let's put in number one B. Your feeling. What? What? What's the, the overall? emotions going on for you? Um, As the anger resides and then the shaking fear, it is deep sadness, like very, very deep grief. So number one B, let's let's do sadness then. Okay. And then number one C, let's put mom's name. Okay, that's Mary. Okay. 
And then just a brief description of when you uh, tap the, into the sadness. Yeah, just the desynchronization of any type of, uh, I guess it, you would have to call it as a child, an infant attachment, um, an inability to have that established. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is that in that circumstance, it's like there just wasn't a connection available with your mom, or at least yeah. a connection you could trust. Okay. Yeah, from the very start. And let's put that in in the line after 1C with her name. Okay. So can't trust my connection yes. with her. Exactly. And then let's go back to number one, A. Okay. And let's tap into and remember who you are. Yes, I am love. Yeah, in your processing and the work you've done, how easy is it for you to get in touch with that experience of who you are? Are you able to find that experience? Uh I mean, right now I'm pretty amazed that I'm able to hold that. To hold that love. Right. As in, in regard to self? To self, yeah. To feel the presence of love. Even though my ribs are shaking and I want to cry, I feel that I'm, I am safe and I am um, feeling love, the presence of love. Okay, nice work. That's awesome. So starting out with, you know, I, David, who am love, I'm experiencing deep sadness. And it sounds like there perhaps are a whole other series of worksheets to be done you know i think you've probably heard me say before that when i do a worksheet i've usually got a stack of a dozen blanks behind it and as i'm touching into you know each aspect of it when when i i I find when i complete a worksheet i've usually got uncovered four or five other worksheets to be done i agree i agree with this one so then I'd, I'd be making notes on some of these other energetic patterns that are going on along with the sadness. Okay. I have a notebook here. You, you mentioned the anger. Do you feel like you're complete with that, or have you let go of it for the moment? Where, where does that stand for you? I, I feel like I've let go of it. Um, and I feel that the shock is not there, which kind of this wide-eyed little child shock. And I feel like I am moving into, like, deeply into acceptance. And um, I do feel um, it is, like, all in my ribs and in my sides of shaking. And, you know, it is extreme grief sadness, like, a lot, and I need to get there. I need to go through this and not keep revisiting it with just 
the anger and the rage when these triggers do happen with these other right. relationships and events. Yeah. So is it clear to you that the event with your mom, the event with boss, the event with uh, the uh, housing thing are triggers for what's inside of you, thought disorders that you hold that, I mean, literally it sounds like you've been able to locate where they are physiologically in your body and your ribs. But these are energetic patterns that come from your thoughts at this moment. Yes. These are my thoughts of having zero self-worth. Okay, so there's your next worksheet then. So that would be worksheet on self. Make a note. And having zero self-worth. Yeah. And also not feeling a part of community, humanity. Like very isolated, vacant, totally disconnected. So at this moment, I'm going to just invite you to just tap into, have you done the love exchange experience that we do? No, I've listened to it. I don't know exactly what it is, but I would like to learn. Well, then let's do it. Okay, cool. So, you know, right now there's a whole community of people that's listening to this show. And to uh, be aware that this community, you know, when we think about the energy of active present love, it's such a high frequency that there's nothing we know of in the physical universe that can block it or stop it. Everything, all matter is transparent to it, all space is transparent to it. So... In the love exchange experience, what happens is you close your eyes, you go inside, you find the deepest, clearest love that you can. Tap into it, that love that you're talking about, that you're finding yourself more and more able to connect. Yes, I can feel it for sure. Okay. So tapping into that. And I'm inviting everybody in the audience and Jeannie and myself are doing it as well, of extending that love, using the imagination to see that energy being exchanged, being sent out from yourself through yourself, which means you have to receive it, to me, to Jeannie, to our whole audience, yeah. which means people all over the globe. And breathing in and receiving that energy coming back to you from myself, from Jeannie. I'm very sensitive, and so, yes, I can feel it. And then I'm very grateful. Breathing with you. Honored to be here and support you and to affirm your connection to humanity and your very humanity. 
here to support you in that 100%. So let's just take a minute and breathe into that space, that energy. space and being in that connected place, you know, the uh, the next thought in the worksheet comes from David Bohm, a physicist, who speaks about what he calls sustained incoherence. And the sustained incoherence basically as Bohm defined it, was that we have a certain way of thinking and we keep thinking that way regardless of the evidence that proves that it's our thinking that's creating the problem. And so just acknowledge at this point to your own mind because, you know, in Aramaic, you are neighbor to yourself. In Aramaic, you as a being have a self that is a product of the mind and that self needs to be taught needs to be upgraded till it matches who you are and that recognizing that these emotions are coming from a construct inside of you and you know who knows when i when i hear the story of what happened with your mom when you were 20 i can only imagine that this is I mean, to, to just fathom a mom doing that to her son is kind of beyond my comprehension. And so my conclusion would be that this is something that your mom had no control over. It's a generational pattern I, that's probably gone on for who knows how long. I, I completely agree with that. I have really investigated like a detective into this. And I, I am in, on board completely. I do understand these are my thoughts. This is not happening to me now. Um, this is what I'm doing to myself. I'm attacking myself. Yeah, that you know, the event can happen with your boss. The event can happen with, uh, with the uh, Airbnb, and you don't have to be experiencing any of this. Exactly. And You're, it's all that it's time to remove up. these thought disorders. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So then it can be appropriate because sometimes feelings are preverbal to draw yes. what your emotions are in this situation. So what would that look like if you were to draw it just just for your own use? It, it was, I mean, and I've been doing that a lot more. Um, it looks like like a spiral with that's a circular, but just chaotic and like uncoordinated, like what a child would do. Incoherence. Yeah. 
So we can probably skip over, you know, at the end of the uh, the 1C where you write the problem out and you're instructed to breathe, that thought, if they're the one with the problem, why am I the one with the pain, is probably kind of irrelevant for you at this point because you're pretty clear. You've done enough work to be clear as to where this is coming from. So then let's go to 1D. So my thoughts are the cause of this upset, the thought. So if you think about this sadness or let yourself really experience this sadness and then let your thought move into that arena, what's the thought that you think to experience this depth of sadness that you're talking about? The the thought is almost like I must have, I must deserve this on some level, even though I do not Hmm. know why, because life is delivering this to me as like if I was a child. Okay. So that sounds like a message that would come either actively from a power person, you know, that, that the message is given, you're broken, there's something wrong with you, or it can be passively received as, gee, as a result of this behavior, I make up that I deserve it. And just Okay. It seems Go ahead like and say that again. It seems mm-hmm. like okay. it's mixed, like, like a thought disorder, like a cluster of embedded and dysfunctional thoughts. So to really unwind this, it would be good to pull out the power person worksheet and go through the power person worksheet as well. Yeah. My offering. Okay. So number two, or well, punishment. Is there punishment involved toward mom or self? Self. Is there a punishment thought? Yeah, like the punishment thought would be, I must deserve this, so this must continue. Okay. So that that would tend, I think, more to be the thought behind the sadness or tied in with the sadness. But you know, is there some part of you that has wanted to lash out at mother or separate from yeah. mother or Yes, yes. There's been what what would it be? Um it would be to like withdraw completely um, okay. from a deep contact. Okay. So then when you withdraw yeah. And then is there a punishment thought towards self based on this whole scenario that you've laid out? Yeah, like, I mean, like if I do that to her or if I do, like almost the punishment thought I get is like I must on some level have deserved this, so therefore it's okay to continue feeling excessive amounts of guilt and regret and vacancy inside. Um, so there are three new I, worksheets. Guilt, for sure. regret, vacancy. They're all reflections of the thought disorders underneath this. Yeah. And make note for those additional worksheets. Okay. You got the biggie here, haven't you? Got the what? 
This, this worksheet's your biggie. This is like one of your major core life issues. Oh, oh yeah. And I think this segues into my father, who was born in Germany and raised in Germany, and was right at the tail end of World War II, and he was the one that was completely abandoned by his mother and drinking out of mud puddles when he was two or three and uh, having to stay in a uh, Catholic orphanage and getting abused. And he's a recluse, very, very smart, um, but avoids all triggers. And um, I feel like this is like an epigenetic pattern. Sounds like it, right on track, yeah. Okay, so then in the box, after you put down that punishment thought towards self, I'll hand points to verbal release. You know, one of the things that that happens is that most of our realities as humans are formed based in words. Once we get past the, the infant stage, they're based in words. And... Verbal release can be a powerful way to eject energy from the system. It can at first seem like, well, you know, so I say those words, but what, so what? But if you work with it and practice it, verbal release, literally, you can begin to direct energy, literally, out of your system. So then that release and surrender, and the idea is to take each aspect of step one here, um, you know, myself, the emotion, the story, the thoughts, the punishment, and and the person involved in 1C to do a verbal release. So I release and surrender myself to love. I release and surrender the emotion of sadness to love. I release and surrender my mother to love. I release and surrender. So how about just going through each of those steps and do that part of the process? Do you want to do it or out loud either way? Either way, um, you could do it out loud or just silently. Okay, I'm going to do it silently. Okay, we'll hold the space. Thank you. And breathing with you. Okay. It's like I literally feel like my body just wants to start shaking. Go for it. Let it let it move. Yeah. That can yeah. be a powerful way of the body letting go. Yeah. So let it let it move as it needs to. Sometimes when abuse happens, um the state of the body when the abuse occurred Excuse me. I just inhaled a little bit of water. Okay. The state of the body or the the positioning of the body when the abuse occurred, it can require the body going back into that position to let the energy go. So just pay attention to what your form wants to do and let it happen. Okay. 
then having laid out number one, the thing to do at this point is to recognize that whenever hostility or fear are the active energy in the mind, the perceptual construct of the mind that results from that is based in corrupt data. And nothing it tells you is true. It may have happened, we may have experienced it as a reality, but it's not the truth. And so recognizing that, step two, A, what I want to do is, number one, honor truth. So then stepping into step 2A, I choose to honor truth and willingly face and process out all disease-producing energies for, from all my relations or generations. And so recognizing that this is a generational pattern is a powerful insight. And uh, just if you just go ahead and speak those words, speaking them have another level of power to them. Like, yeah, I do recognize this is a generational pattern. Go ahead and do 2A. And then B, I willingly go through the physical, mental, emotional symptoms of healing, recognizing that this is, as you appropriately classify it, epigenetics is a generational pattern in stepping into the willingness to process that might mean that you will experience some of the literal terror and trauma that your father went through in such horrendous circumstances as he was raised in. And, you know, you may at this point become the vessel of the vehicle for processing that energy out that, that can also liberate him from it. So breathing with you as you step into willingness and we're on a physical level, healing looks like any kind of physical symptom you've ever had. You could drop into low energy. On a mental level, looks like any kind of negative thought, confusion. On an emotional level, any kind of negative feeling or depression. So just step into the willingness to do that. Okay. I feel like I'm, I'm there. Okay. Awesome. Then number three... You know, this, and I'm saying this not just for your sake. I know you've got the brain cells for most of this or all of it, uh, but for others who are listening, just so this makes sense, is that, you know, the <clears throat> there's some Harvard research that says that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells are firing, the max amount of data that goes into our mind's construct, our perception, is nine bits. So a very tiny piece of information goes there. And... Once once one recognizes that, then you have to you have to figure out well how do I get to what's in that ten thousand brain cells that are firing if I'm only seeing right. nine bits, and right. the recognition comes that the driver the thing that determines obviously if there are ten thousand units of information available and the mind is only using nine pieces of it something must determine which nine pieces. And what we've discovered or what Yeshua presented 2,000 years ago is that what drives the process is our goals. Right. So you want to look at 
the constructive result with mom in that situation, if if your mind could make up what would be the ideal, wonderful, loving, everything would just be fabulous result in that situation you're doing this worksheet around, what would it be? Um, to be supported, cared for, and loved by my mother. Okay. And is there a more direct, like I could imagine that the thought that comes to me was it might look like something that might be more direct, might be that mom just steps up and embraces me and holds me. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically. So whatever, yeah, whatever fits there. And yeah. the, the reason why you want to refine and look at the goal is because the more precise the goal is, the driver is, the more profound the worksheet will be, you know. And I suspect that, uh, you know, when you share what happened with your dad, which is, you know, unfathomable, that for that little boy to have experienced uh, a female figure that could come and embrace him would have been just beyond comprehension. Yes, yes. So I changed it to be embraced and supported by my mother. Okay. And what happens with your breath as you think about that? It, it's flowing, um, but yeah, my body is shaking, but I do feel love. Okay. I feel the presence okay. of love for sure. Okay. So that taps right into step four. I'm going to, I'm purposely, consciously bringing in another level of the direct experience of love present within me. Yes. And it's that presence of love when I get to the action step of the forgiveness, it's that presence of love that's going to dissolve the underlying energy that's held in those thought disorders and in that uh, unconscious experience. Yes. I mean, I do choose love as an essence. Okay. Step five. I'm with you on that. And and you've got a whole community that's pointing that energy at you right now, supporting you. Yeah, very grateful. And if we were closer, we'd be reaching our arms and embracing you as well. Yes. So... Number 5A is kind of a review of what happens. So when I'm upset, my perception is built out of corrupt data driven by my goal. It's a limiting picture constructed of an index of nine bits of information out of 10,000 brain cells firing. And by canceling my goal, my replicate mind, the mind that just replays whatever's in it, collapses. The reality there collapses. And that gives me direct contact with those hidden parts, the denied, dissociated parts of carbon-based memories, which, which always you know, wants to blame someone else. So the action step is now, while holding love, conscious, active, and present, which we're all holding the space with you, I now choose to collapse my mind's lies by willingly canceling my goals. So you bring your answer from number three down here to six and cancel your goal for it. Okay. And then the second step over in the, the right column, 
I can't so many to be right and make up another story out of these brain cells to hallucinate proof that my fear or hostility based story, my reality is true. So you want to really, one of the things the mind can do once you let go of it, because it's a habit device, it can go back and, you know, want to generate more of the same. So just becoming cognizant, I'm, I'm ready to be finished with this pattern is the idea of canceling that need to be right and make up another story. So just jump in and do yeah. that if you would. Okay. And then 5B, what what terms fit for you with Ruka Kutcha? What, what do you usually put in that space? I, I just put like RDK, yeah, the, just abbreviations. Okay. And, cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, at, I'm inviting that super processor, and just go ahead if you want to step through those steps to incline me toward healing. Yes. Quick. Restore, Restore me to my newborn born. essence, love. Yeah, go for yeah. it. Heal my denial. Heal my capacity to generate deep sadness. Help me open a direct conscious relationship with and gently remove the denied, disassociated, and projected parts of my carbon-based memory. Yeah, good breath. Good breath. How's that feel? What are you feeling physiologically now? And if the show cuts us off, I will call you. Okay. Okay. Um, I do feel relief. Um, less okay. intensity and a sense of inner strength. Nice, nice. So nice. if you would fill in 6A and be with that, okay. I've got this feeling of inner strength and uh, relief. That's awesome. And still breathing with you. And then in 6C, is there a time when you had the opportunity or would have been appropriate for you to step forward and hold, extend your love to somebody and you withheld it? Yeah, I believe. Has that ever happened? Mother. Yeah, okay. towards my mother. So then I'd go ahead. If there's a specific time you have in mind, you know, I remember that Christmas and she was in tears and I knew I could have and I resisted. W- whatever the details of that would be, just as a reminder here. Yeah. I did it towards my mother when she admitted that she did do this, but she doesn't understand why. Hmm. Sounds like she was functioning out of her trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll probably be a rift that can open for some healing. To have that insight to see that. Yeah. And then step seven. Principle of the universe is that by giving, I first get the original. So this is, uh, I mean knowing what your father carried, what you carried, what your mom's carried, what an opportunity to lift this load from your family system. So I feel gratitude for the fact that you've got this opportunity and if it works for you to tap into that. And, you know, there's only one idea in the whole worksheet that's repeated twice, and that is I choose truth. 
That's so important yeah. to let go of the constructs of the mind that are based in corrupt data. So I choose truth yeah. and perfect love. And then from that space, is there a goal that you can set toward your mom around this whole issue, around this whole situation? Um, I, I think if I'm able to hold and extend love and breathe, um, I can start from there. Okay. So then you're going to set that up as a goal toward your mom. Whenever you yeah, think of her, that. to be able to soften, send love, and breathe. Yeah. Nice. And then the final step, because our time, I'm I'm feeling grace from the uh, radio show that hasn't cut us off yet, is the box again with draw your feelings. How does that drawing look now? Um, like more of a perfect circle than squiggly lines going towards the center as a spiral. Coherence. Coherence. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And then the wording in that box, I commit to love, to living a human life, to help achieve this. I do a mass counseling of all the times I wanted number three from someone. So think of any and every time in your life, you know, maybe there's a girlfriend that you, you know, had that didn't reach out and embrace every time in your life and just put their initials in that blank line and cancel the goal. You know, it's kind of like you got the roller coaster going. If you can take any and every experience you've created where that someone didn't extend that love to you and cancel the goal in that situation, you'll just move this whole energy pattern out of yourself on a whole other level. Yes. I mean, I will have to spend some time on that with a lot okay. of uh, awesome. initials. Yeah. Awesome. Nice work, my friend. That's a that's a powerful piece of work to do. Yeah, I, I never congratulate really had you for being willing shake. to work on that level. Say yeah, again. Thank you. I never had my body shake like that since I think I was in tenth grade, um, experiencing a lot of trauma. So I do. So you. So what I hear is your next worksheets to do will be around the tenth grade trauma that you experienced. Yeah, you're, you're you're being informed that underlying this experience was what happened in tenth grade. Yeah. So I'd go back to that and do those worksheets and see where those ones lead. For sure. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate Powerful it. piece of work, my friend. Yeah. Thank you. Delighted and honored. Glad to be here for you. And uh, I acknowledge your courage and have great gratitude for the fact you've shared this worksheet with everybody. I think it's a powerful experience for everyone. Yeah. And uh, in return, we keep extending the space in your direction for whatever the next layers of healing are going to be around this. Okay. And well, I've got I a video in mind that I'm going to, I'll text you. Okay. There's a uh, there's a, uh, a video uh, that we have on uh, 
the commandment honor thy father and thy mother which is, sounds like some kind of a like well why would i do why would i do that if if they don't deserve it and the video gets into the idea that you know that whole demand or requirement that you do that was not about what you do toward them but that when you can in honor his different levels, you know, if you look at the the ancient command that says have love for, or at least the, the Greeks talk about loving the creator and neighbor, there's a different demand for us toward parents, and that is to honor. And honor means to bring love into behavior toward them, because when you do, especially if they don't seem to deserve it, by doing that, you bring love into a deeper part of your own process, in a deeper part of your own mind where that unresolved power person dynamic, if there are any tentacles of it left, that's how you tend to clear those out. So I'll send that video to you when we finish the show. Okay, I greatly appreciate that. Anything to All right, help? my friend. Thank you. All right. All right. Okay. Thanks for calling in. Have a blessed one. Lots of love. You too. Bye.